Hello. Welcome to the brief of the life of Samuel Morris, otherwise known as Prince Kabu. Before we get into that, I'd like to ask you for your input about what we're doing with these briefs. We'd like to know what books you'd like us to brief and what you thought of the brief that you're listening to. To do so, please go to christianbrief.com, all one word, Christian, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N, brief, B-R-I-E-F.com, and choose the feedback and input page, and then give us your feedback and input, your thoughts on books you'd like to see briefed, and what you thought of the brief that you're listening to. We really appreciate it. Now, Father God, I thank you for this listener, and Father, I pray that you would touch them with your mighty hand. And Father, I pray that you would give them more of you, a hunger for more of you, and that you would feel that hunger. You said, blessed are those who hunger, for they shall be filled. Let it be so, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. Hi, we're looking at great disciples of faith. And this today, we're looking at Samuel Morris, otherwise known as Prince Kabu, a prince of the crew tribe in Africa. And so... What do I think that you're going to learn in this brief? Well, I think the first thing that you're going to learn, if I were to pick a verse that summarizes Samuel Morris's life, it would be James's prayer, the brother of Jesus, when he said, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I think you'll see that in the life of Samuel Morris. The second thing that I get out of it, I believe, is that God can use anyone, including a no-credentialed nobody from nowhere, the way that he did with Samuel Morris. And the way that he did with David, the least of his seven of his eight brothers, um, no great wealth, no great training out there as a shepherd. But God used him mightily to set the standard of what a king is all about. If God could use them, he can use you. The third thing is um, that when God shows up, things happen. People get saved and people get healed. But God shows up and things change. The fourth thing, God doesn't need any of us to help him save people. Take a look at Paul and then take a look at Samuel Morris and how they got saved. You'll see it really didn't involve humans, but was a direct work of Christ himself. The next thing I would say is the power of a spirit-filled life. How you can change people. How you can bring Christ to them and make a difference in their lives when you're spirit-filled. And then the final point I would say that you'll learn from this is that God's vision is bigger than ours. Brief one, captive. Prince Kabu is 15 years old. At this point, he's been captured three times. At the moment, he's strapped to a tree, very much like a cross. And he's tied there after having been beaten with a thorny, poisonous vine on his back. And his back is raw and sore and he's tragically ill and incredibly weak. This is the third time that he's been captured. The first time the ransom was paid speedily by his father. The second time took several years. And this time, no matter how much his father brought, it was never enough for the, the tribal chief who refused to let him go. And so this time it looked like death. And they had death prepared for him that was pretty agonizing. Their plan was to bury him up to his neck, prop open his mouth, and then stuff it with nectar so that ants, that they call driver ants, would actually enter into his mouth and his body and eat him up from the inside out. That was the plan. And he wondered what it would be like to die. And when he wondered that, 
something happened. A light appeared and a voice commanded him to run. And the ropes that were holding him to the tree were loosened. And then the light led him through the jungle. It was nighttime. And the jungle is a very dangerous place with lots of snakes, leopards, and other dangerous creatures. But the light led him unerringly for weeks at a time, showing him where to get food. And it led him eventually to a missionary in Liberia. And so what happened was he was uh, set free on a Friday, he believed. And from that point forward in life, once he came to find out about Christ, every Friday he would fast with no food or water. And so when he got there in Liberia at this missionary site where he did stuff like painting houses, he heard the story of Saul, who became Paul. And he instantly knew that that was what had happened to him. Just as a light appeared and knocked Saul off of his horse and then transformed his life, that's what happened to Prince Kabu, who we know as Samuel Morris. The light set him free, and the light completely changed his life. So at this missionary, he learned to read and write, and he learned about prayer, and he would pray quite a lot. And so one night while he was praying, after he'd been praying a long time, the room was filled with light, and the glory of the Lord fell on the place. And at that point, he knew he'd had a visitation of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit became a focus of his. He kept quizzing missionaries about the Holy Spirit. He absorbed everything that he could about it. And he finally had gotten so much out of a missionary, he got them to the limits of their knowledge. And he asked them, where did they learn it from? And they told him they learned it from a guy named Stephen Morin, Merritt of New York City. So he determined, well, I'll go meet Mr. Merritt and learn more about the Holy Spirit. So he goes down to the, the harbor. He sees a ship that's heading to the U.S., and the captain of the ship initially refused him. However, Sammy stayed in prayer for a couple of additional days. And that night, he, his father told him that he would be able to go the next day. And sure enough, he goes to the captain and asks him again. And the captain allows him to come because he had a couple of men who deserted him in the night. And so he brings him on and he starts his trip to America. Brief two, voyage to America. It was a five-month-long journey to New York City from Africa, and Sammy was hated for his color. He only had one friend on the entire ship, and that was a critically uninjured young man who Sammy prayed for and God healed completely. Now, his relationship with the captain was a very rough one. In fact, the captain hit him in a drunken rage and knocked him out. But when Sammy got up, what he did was he asked the captain, do you know Jesus? And the captain was quite taken aback. He really didn't know what to do. On another occasion, there was a fight on board the ship. A big Malay who hated Africans and hated black people came at Sammy with a sword and hit it directly at him. But Sammy held his ground unflinchingly, and the man was startled and backed off. That ended the fight on the ship altogether. The captain, after that, was amazed that a peace and calm had settled over the ship. And he went to his cabin, he repented of his sins, and he got saved as a result of the peace that Sammy brought. And from that point forward, he began to assemble the crew for prayer 
when he used to assemble them for drinking sessions. The big Malay got deathly sick, and while he was sick, Sammy prayed for him, and God healed him completely. And that big Malay went from hating Sammy to loving him. And now the entire ship held worship sessions rather than drunken parties and fights. These men who had hated him now loved him enough to where they chipped in to buy him a new suit when he got to New York City. Brief three, New York City. So Sammy gets off the ship in New York City, as we all know, a city of millions. And the first person he asked if they knew Stephen Merritt, guess what? And one of those things I call God incidences, that person knew Stephen Merritt and knew where he was and where he um, ministered. And that's what I call the God incidence, a God arranged coincidence uh, to make sure that you stay in his perfect will. So this person takes him over to the Bethel Union Mission, which is a few miles away from the harbor. And so what happens is Merritt has to go off to a meeting. And there are 17 or 18 people at this mission that had been sitting around, mostly drunks, alcoholics. And when Merritt comes back, all these 17 men are down on their knees. They've repented and they've gotten saved. Sammy's brought all 17 of them to Christ. And so this is how he comes to America. Now, Merritt is amazed. He brings him home with him. He's a wealthy man. And so he lets him stay overnight and keeps him in the room that he kept for a bishop. And he's going to take him with him to a funeral the next day, accompanied by two other men that he knew, but two other preachers. And they're appalled that he's got this black man with him, this African, um, poor African, very poorly dressed. And But then what happens is Sammy does what he does, which is he prayed. And so he prayed for Stephen Merritt that he would be given the words to say and that he would experience the Holy Spirit as he'd never experienced the Holy Spirit before. And now it touched these three men, all of them, and they fought over who would pay for his new suit. And so when they went to the funeral service, Stephen Merritt preached as he'd never preached before, and a lot of people got saved. Brief four, Taylor University. And so now Stephen Merritt arranges for Sammy to go to Fort Wayne, Indiana, a school called Taylor University. Now, I remember he just learned how to read and write at the mission in Liberia not that long before. And so he wasn't a highly educated person at all. In fact, he was barely educated. And so obviously this would be a, a heavy lift for him to try to attend university. At this particular university, Thaddeus Reed was the president, and he wasn't very happy to see Sammy because the school was nearly closed because of insufficient funds. But Sammy asked him for a room that nobody else wanted, which was something he'd never had heard in, in his entire time as president. And then he heard a little bit about this. A butcher heard that there was someone there. And they'd established a Samuel Morris faith fund for to provide for. And the butcher said that he was told to come and give $5 to it, which at that time was a lot of money. We're talking in the 1800s here. And so with that began the Samuel Morris faith fund. Uh, which would continue to this very day. But today there have been millions that have been contributed to it, and a lot of students have received scholarships as a result of it. In fact, the school probably was able to continue on in large part because of Samuel Morris and what he what he did there in his brief time there. So what he does is he goes to the African Methodist Episcopal Church in East Wayne, Indiana, and he goes up to the pulpit 
and tells the pastor that he he's got not a sermon, but a message. And the pastor turns it over to him. And what happens is Sammy begins praying, which is what he does. And the next thing you know, the congregants are on their knees. They're crying. They're praying. Um, they're, you know, confessing sins. They're shouting. And the Holy Spirit had fallen on them in force. And the pastor said that all he knew was that he had an overpowering desire to pray. He didn't even know what Sammy had said, but his soul was on fire in a way that he had never before seen. And so at this point, Sammy had already made a difference in that church, and he made a difference already at Taylor University. Now, what they did because of Sammy's lack of preparation at Taylor University is they assigned teachers to be tutors for him, and all of those teachers came to love him. They'd ask him for prayer or for counsel. Students would drop by and do the same thing. And what Samuel would typically do is he'd typically have them read a chapter in the Bible. And then from there, he'd usually pray for them. And he had a student named Arthur who was an atheist come by, and he mocked him. He mocked him as saying that the Bible was a book of stories and fables and the like. And he wouldn't read a chapter from that book when Samuel asked him. And Samuel had a conversation with him about the goodness of God and how God had allowed his son to shine on him and fed him and done all of these things for him. And, and he prayed for him. And by the end of the term, this guy, Arthur, who was an atheist, he had confessed Jesus. And guess what? Arthur, the former atheist, he became a pastor in time. When Sammy prayed, things changed because when you pray and you know God, God shows up. And when Sammy came, he brought the Holy Spirit with him. Now, he's here in Indiana. It, you know, it's a normal sort of climate in the United States with all the four seasons. So he sees snow for the first time, and he experiences cold for the first time. So come January 1893, he's 21 years old. He catches a cold, and he continues to attend services in the cold weather. And then he tells his visitors he's seen angels and that his work on the earth is finished. Now, his dream was that he would return to Africa and that he would make his tribe aware of this Jesus that he had found. That was the desire of his heart. But he had told he was told by the Lord that his work on earth was finished and that others would have to do what he did, what he was seeking to do. And so on May the 12th, in 1893, Sammy dies. But that's not the end of the story. The first year after his death, three students pledged to go to Africa as missionaries. The second year after his death, many additional students pledged. The third year after his death, still more students pledged to go to Africa as missionaries and did. And so it went for decades. So in death... Many students became African missionaries, many more than had Samuel gone himself. And the Samuel Morris Faith Fund continues today, as I mentioned earlier. Now, you can see the movie Angel in Ebony at www.taylor.edu at the website. So search for the movie Angel in Ebony. Takeaways, brief five. So here are three big takeaways. 
The first that I would say is Sammy had a focus on the Holy Spirit. So you need to ask God to fill you with this Holy Spirit. Pray and ask him. Luke says, if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more would our Heavenly Father give good gifts? And he said, including the Holy Spirit, right? So if you ask, I believe that God will fill you with this Holy Spirit if you know him. Second thing is, look for what God wants you to do in every meeting with any individual. That's what Samuel did. No matter who he met, he was always looking to see what they needed spiritually, always looking to pray for them. And usually that person left changed nine times out of 10. The third thing I take from his life was he spent much time in prayer. He's frequently spend a day or a night even in prayer. So find ways to build in more prayer in your life, even if it's as you work, as Brother Lawrence did, praying while you work, asking God to help you in your work, thanking God for the fact that he did help you in your work. But find ways to incorporate prayer in everything that you do. Be blessed. Hi, thank you for listening to this brief. We have plenty more at ChristianBrief.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-B-R-I-E-F.com. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And hope you check out some of the other briefs at ChristianBrief.com.